Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. We're continuing our series of sermons today on the great doctrines of the Christian faith as they're summarized in the Belgic Confession of Faith. Today, with the Lord's help, we will consider the subject of good works. And in that connection, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, as we read the verses 15 to 23. Hear God's holy word. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness." This ends the reading of the Holy Word of God. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word to our hearts. Dear friends, not all faith is true faith. In fact, the Bible speaks of several types of counterfeit faiths. These include, for example, historical faith, which is a a faith in certain truths. There is a miraculous faith, which is faith that arises from observing miracles. There's a temporary faith, a faith that does not last. There's a deficient faith, faith that does not rest in Christ and Christ alone. In fact, in Matthew 7, verse 22, which we read just a few moments ago, Jesus tells us that on the day of judgment, there will be many who will stand before him and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? But Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So these people thought that they had true faith, but they did not. And why did they not have true faith? Jesus tells us, because they did not do the will of his Father in heaven. And so we learn here that true faith manifests itself in a life of obedience. Anyone who claims to have true faith but is not living a life of obedience to God is deceiving himself. To put it another way, the faith that we need in order to stand before God and live must be an active, living faith, one that manifests itself in good works. Now, that's the subject of Article 24 of the Belgic Confession of Faith. There's a close connection between this article and Articles 22 and 23 that come before it. In Article 22, we saw that God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
and I quote, kindles in our hearts an upright faith which embraces Jesus Christ with all his merits, appropriates him, and seeks nothing more besides him. And following that, in Article 23, we saw that our righteousness before God consists in the remission of our sins for Christ's sake, and that this remission becomes ours through faith. And that led us to a consideration of the doctrine of justification. That is, that aspect of the order of salvation in which the sinner is declared not guilty before the tribunal of God on the basis of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we saw that we are justified not on the basis of our faith, for then salvation would be based on something in us, but rather by faith, that is, through the instrumentality of faith. Well, now in Article 24, our confession says that this faith is an active living faith. It is a faith that shows itself in good works. Now with that in mind and the Lord's help, let's consider the teaching of God's word as it is summarized in this article. And we do so under the theme, the believer and good works. And we'll consider first of all their root, secondly their role, and thirdly their reward. The first thing the Belgic Confession says about good works is that they proceed from faith. And I quote, We believe that this true faith, being wrought in man by the hearing of the word of God and the operation of the Holy Spirit, does regenerate and make him a new man, causing him to live a new life and freeing him from the bondage of sin. End quote. So the faith that's being referred to here is saving faith. And that was explained in Articles 22 and 23. In Article 23, we saw that by means of this faith, we are justified. Well, now in Article 24, the statement is made that by means of that same faith, we are not only justified, but also sanctified, meaning we are made more and more holy. Now, two things are said about this faith. First of all, there's a statement here about the origin of this faith. We confess that this faith is wrought in man. That's what our confession says. It is wrought in man. And that implies that this faith is not something that man possesses by nature. Nor is it something that man can produce in and of himself. It is wrought. It is worked in his heart. And you say, how is it wrought? Well, again, our confession says, by the hearing of the word of God and the operation of the Holy Spirit. Now, in making that statement, our confession is militating against two wrong views on this subject. And the first is the Roman Catholic view. The Roman Catholic Church tends to elevate the sacraments over the preaching of the word. Grace, they say, is communicated through the sacraments, in particular, the Mass. So they say that by regularly partaking of the Mass, one can increase his or her supply of grace. The other view that's being contradicted here is the Anabaptist view. The Anabaptists, as well as certain mystics and spiritualists, did really the same thing as the Roman Catholics. Like the Roman Catholics, they too tended to downplay the preaching of the Word of God. Not by elevating the sacraments, but rather by elevating the work of the Holy Spirit. God, they said, is absolutely free to communicate grace in any way he pleases, including directly. 
the Anabaptists taught <coughs> that God is not tied to any means whatsoever, not even his own word. What is more, they said that the word was a dead letter. And what mattered was the spirit, not the word. Well, over and against both of these views, our confession states loudly and clearly that faith is wrought in the heart through the preaching of the word of God applied by the Holy Spirit. And friends, we must never separate those two things. Word and spirit go together. If we end up separating those, we end up undermining the critical importance of the word of God. Secondly, there's a statement here concerning the results or the effects of this faith. This faith, we are told, and I quote, does regenerate and make him a new man, causing him to live a new life and freeing him from the bondage of sin, end quote. Now, normally we think of faith as the product of regeneration. Faith logically follows regeneration. So you can't have faith unless you're first regenerated, unless you're first born again by the word and spirit of God. But here it is stated that faith produces regeneration, or faith precedes regeneration. Why is that? Well, our confession here uses the word regeneration in its broadest sense to include sanctification. In fact, the Belgian Confession uses these terms as virtually synonymous. So when our confession says that faith regenerates the sinner, it simply means that faith, that is true faith, will have an effect. It will result in sanctification. The person who has true faith will become more and more holy. His faith will necessarily produce good works. Now, in making that statement, the Belgian Confession is answering a common Roman Catholic objection to the Protestant doctrine, the biblical doctrine of justification by faith alone. According to the Roman Catholic Church, the doctrine of justification by faith alone makes men careless and profane. It leads men to believe, they say, that it does not matter how we live our lives since we're saved by grace apart from the works of the law. Now, in answer to that objection, our confession says absolutely not true. Therefore, it says, it is so far from being true that this justifying faith makes men remiss in a pious and holy life. In other words, what our confession is saying is that justifying faith does not make people lazy when it comes to sanctification. On the contrary, where this justifying faith has been worked in the heart of the sinner, it will necessarily produce good works. Like Jesus said, just as a good tree produces good fruit, so the person who possesses true faith will necessarily produce good works. And why is that? Because this kind of faith is not a dead faith, but a living faith. It is a faith, as Paul says, that works by love. And so our confession puts it like this, and I quote, Therefore it is impossible that this holy faith can be unfruitful in man. For we do not speak of a vain faith, but of such a faith as is called in Scripture a faith that works by love, which excites man to the practice of those works which God has commanded in his word. Now why is this so important? Why does the confession, the Belgian confession, begin its discussion about sanctification and good works by speaking about faith? 
Well, the answer is because it wants to emphasize that the whole of the Christian life is lived out of this faith. It is by grace through faith that we are justified, but it is also by grace through faith that we are sanctified. It's simply not true, as some seem to suggest, that justification is God's work, whereas sanctification is our work. No, salvation from beginning to end is all God's work, and therefore all the glory belongs to him. Now it's true, of course, that man in justification is passive, but in sanctification he is active. But we need God's grace for both. We need God's grace to be justified and to be sanctified. Oh, my friends, do you see that today? How utterly dependent we are on the grace of God. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We most certainly cannot be saved. And so good works are rooted in justifying faith. But what is their role? That brings me to my second point. We've seen that faith and good works go hand in hand. Faith is the root of good works, and good works are the fruit of faith. What is more, good works are essential. Where there are no good works, there is no true faith. And yet, as important as works are, they do not count for anything towards our salvation. And this our confession says several times over in this article. It says things like this, Howbeit they are of no account towards our justification. Later it says, Therefore we do good works, but not to merit by them. And later on it says, Moreover, though we do good works, we do not found our salvation upon them. And so our confession is clear. Good works, although they are absolutely essential, they do not count for anything towards our salvation. Now, in making that statement, again, our confession is militating against a cardinal doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church. According to the Roman Catholic Church, good works do count for something towards our salvation. That's why we need to do them, because we have to earn part of our salvation before God. Now, let's be careful. Let's be fair. The Roman Catholic Church does not teach that we can earn all of our salvation by works. If that were the case, then the work of Christ would be totally unnecessary. What they do teach is that faith is not enough. Faith in Christ is necessary, they say, but so are our works. In their view, we are saved by faith plus works, as opposed to the Protestant formula, which is that we are saved by faith alone. Now, over and against this, The Belgian Confession says, no, our works, though they are important, even essential, they do not count for anything towards our salvation. Now that's exactly what the scriptures teach. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, Paul writes this, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In Romans 3, verse 20, he says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. In Romans 3, verse 28, Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without or apart from the deeds of the law. And so the scriptures are clear. Our works count for nothing towards our salvation. Why is that? Well, our confession gives four reasons. First of all, because it is by faith in Christ that we are justified even before we do good works. 
And what our confession is saying is that good works cannot count for anything towards our salvation because they follow, not precede, justification. They are the fruit, not the root of justification. And to reinforce that, our confession adds that if this were not the case, and I quote, they could not be good works any more than the fruit of a tree can be good before the tree itself is good. Our confession here is referring to Matthew chapter 7. Again, Jesus says there, a good tree cannot bear forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. And so Jesus is telling us here that you can tell whether a tree is good if it produces good fruit. And so it is in spiritual life. Good works follow, they do not precede justification. And therefore, they cannot count for anything towards our salvation. Another reason why this is true is because we are beholden, and I'm quoting from our confession here, we are beholden to God for the good works we do and not he to us. So here we're acknowledging that the only reason why we can do good works in the first place is because of God's grace. And to substantiate that claim, our confession quotes from Philippians 2 verse 13, which says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So Paul here acknowledges that the grace that we need to do good works comes from God. And since that is so, we cannot say that our works count for anything towards our salvation. Thirdly, our good works count for nothing towards our salvation because whatever good works we do are simply what is expected of us. And that's clear from what Jesus says in Luke 17, which is also referred to in this article. There in verses 7 to 10, Jesus asks his hearers to imagine a servant plowing or feeding cattle. And at the end of the day, Jesus asks, does his master tell him to eat his supper and refresh himself as a reward for all of his hard work? And the answer is no, of course not. On the contrary, he tells him to make him his supper first. Why? Because what he did was only his duty to do. The servant's duty is to serve his master. And so Jesus says it is for believers and God. Believers should never think that their good works merit anything with God. They don't. At the end of a hard day's work, all they can say is we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Fourthly and finally, our good works count for nothing towards our salvation because, and I quote again from our Belgic Confession, because we can do no work but what is polluted by our flesh and also punishable. And although we could perform such works, still the remembrance of one sin is sufficient to make God reject them. In other words, the reason why our good works cannot count for anything towards our salvation is because they are all tainted with sin. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And as such, they are completely unacceptable to a holy and righteous God. Well, if our works do not count for anything towards our salvation, that begs the question, why should we bother doing them? 
Now, the Heidelberg Catechism, another one of the Reformed Confessions, provides a good answer to that question in Lord's Day 32, question and answer 86. There the question is asked, since then we are delivered from our misery merely of grace through Christ without any merit of ours, why must we still do good works? Now listen to the answer. Because Christ, having redeemed and delivered us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit after his own image, that so we may testify by the whole of our conduct our gratitude to God for his blessings, and that he may be praised by us. Also, that everyone may be assured in himself of his faith by the fruits thereof, and that by our godly conversation or conduct, others may be gained to Christ. So our catechism here provides four reasons why good works are necessary. First, because they are an expression of our gratitude to God. Secondly, in order to glorify God. Thirdly, in order to assure us of our salvation. And fourthly, so that through our conduct, others may be gained to Christ. Well, let me ask you, are you doing good works? Or to put it another way, are you striving to keep the commandments of God and live to his glory in all things? Is your faith a living, active faith? That's the question. Now, admittedly, that's a difficult question to answer for some, also for God's people. And that's because when we examine ourselves in the light of God's word, it's not always easy to say that we are satisfied with what we see. Yes, on the one hand, we want to live for God and for his glory, but so often we see little evidence of that. So often we live for ourselves and our own pleasure. And then we see so much sin in our lives, and and we may wonder at times, is this really true for me? Am I really a child of God? And we can even begin to doubt our salvation. Child of God, we must remember two things. First of all, we must remember that the life of sanctification is a process. We don't become sanctified all at once. The life of sanctification is a continuous struggle. It's like a road that's filled with twists and turns and ups and downs. Sometimes it may feel like we're not making any progress at all, like Paul in Romans chapter 7. But that should not make us conclude right away that we are not one of his children and that we are only deceiving ourselves. Rather, it should make us pray even more fervently for more grace to put sin to death and to walk in the ways of the Lord to his glory and honor. The second thing we must remember is this, that our sanctification is complete in Christ. And that's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. And speaking of believers, Paul writes, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So friends, do you see what Paul is saying here? He's saying that our whole salvation, including our sanctification, is complete in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we do not have to work at our sanctification. We most certainly do. We must continue to fight and to strive and to mortify and to quicken, of course, all by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. But it simply means that we don't have to be perfect for all the perfection that we need is to be found in Christ Jesus. We should strive to be perfect. We should want to be perfect. But knowing full well that we will never be, at least not in this life, but that it is all to be found 
in Christ. And so our works count for nothing towards our salvation. Yet amazingly, the Lord rewards them. And that brings me to my second point, my third point. Although our works do not count for anything towards our salvation, God still rewards them. Our confession acknowledges as much when it says, and I quote, in the meantime, we do not deny that God rewards our good works. Now that's clearly what the scriptures teach as well. The scriptures do speak of God rewarding his people for their works. Let me give you a few examples. Psalm 19, verse 11, speaking of the commandments of God, the psalmist writes this, and I quote, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is what? There is a great reward. And in Revelation 22, verse 12, Jesus himself says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. So there are rewards for the good works that we do in this life. Now maybe you say, well, how can that be? Is it not true that even our best works are as filthy rags before the Lord? Are they not all tainted with sin? Did we not say that just a few moments ago? Well, if that's true, then how can God reward them? Well, again, the Heidelberg Catechism provides a beautiful answer to that question. In Lord's Day 24, question and answer 63, question is asked there, do not our good works merit which God yet will reward in this and in a future life? And the answer is very simple. This reward is not of merit, but of grace. And so we learn that God does indeed reward our good works, not because they're worthy of a reward, for they're not, but merely out of his grace. You think, think of a little boy working on a woodworking project in his grandfather's wood shop. As part of the project, he has to plane down and sand a piece of wood so that it is nice and smooth. The problem is the little boy can't handle the planer on his own. He doesn't have the skill, doesn't have the strength. So his grandfather helps him. He puts his big, strong, and experienced hands on the boy's hands, and they plane the piece of wood together. And the result is a beautifully planed wood. And when it's all finished, the boy's grandfather praises the boy for a job well done and even gives him a dollar for his efforts. Now this is how God works when he rewards his people for their works. It was only because of his power working in them that they could do these works, but God rewards them anyway out of mere grace. Oh my friends, is that not wonderful? If God had acted only according to his justice and according to what we deserve, we would receive nothing from his hand. No rewards, no salvation, no blessings, only everlasting condemnation in hell. But instead he bestows on us one reward after another and that for things that we can take no credit for whatsoever. What a marvelous display of the grace and love of God for his people. Do we not serve a good doing and a gracious God? Who would not want to serve such a God and Savior as this? Oh, my friend, is that also your desire? That that must manifest itself in your life. It must manifest itself in a life of good works to the praise and glory of God. May God give us grace to do such good works, for he is so worthy. Amen. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. If you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. 
Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road, that's L-E-H-M-A-N, in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. For those who take the time to write, I will gladly send you a free copy of the Belgic Confession of Faith so that you can more easily follow along as I explain each of its 37 articles. If you would like to listen to the message you've just heard yet again, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website at banneroftruthradio.com. That's all one word, banneroftruthradio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Thank you for listening, and now until next week, may the Lord be with you all.